We all have a yearning to know that the power of the living God is meant for more than just a moment, but an everlasting movement. It's Tuesday night. You are tuned into Ignite Radio Live, and our movement continues right now. to introduce to you a couple that has worked tirelessly to create the Ignite movement. Ignite is just a small portion of a bigger picture. Greg here is the founder and president of Mass Impact, a nonprofit organization driven to transform a parish into a vibrant community of intentional disciples within five years. He has a vision and a plan and both Greg and Stephanie and their beautiful children have all taken an incredible leap of faith and said yes to God's call. I'd like to introduce tonight Greg and his wife Stephanie Schleter for our guest speakers this evening. Thank you very much, Melissa. Two caveats. First, when we use the word family here tonight, well, we definitely mean mother and father and children in a, a, in a domestic sense. I want you to please um, also think in the ecclesial sense also that we are family. Number two, it is a, a fearful thing for anybody to speak about faith, especially somebody like me who is a sinner. I need God's grace to be a better husband and a better father. So have mercy on me and do know that as I'm speaking about these things, it's not that I've arrived, but by God's grace that I am striving. Okay, so as a subject, we're going to talk about adventure in the next 25, 30 minutes. And I want to see by a show of hands, how many of you think parenting is a piece of cake? Of course, my nine-year-old raises his hand. Thank you for that, Dominic. Imagine yourself at the age of 14 or 15 and thinking about the future and you come across a certain job description and in that description it says, if you follow this path, you will not get any sleep, you will lose money, you will lose time, and you will lose your hair. How many of you guys would want to follow through with what that might be connected to? None of you. And how about this? With each addition to this particular job description, we will call them children, it's an exclamation point at the end of that sentence. You will lose your time, you will lose your money, you will lose your hair, you will lose your sleep, etc. But yet, how many of you are parents? Now, you guys all saw Bugs Bunny, and the brilliant thing about Bugs Bunny is there are certain messages that appeal to the parents that the kids have no idea about. So I'm going to be a little cryptic here. To share with you the incentive, my mom, I am one of seven children, and my mom, beautiful, wonderful woman, a very a devout woman of faith. She founded Bethesda Post-Abortion Healing Ministry. She's been in the field of pro-life work and loving people every day of her life that I can remember. But my mom is very English, proper Victorian. She doesn't speak like that, but i just like to add that. She doesn't hold her pinky out when she drinks tea or anything, but she's very proper. And I remember when I was 15 years old, I caught her off guard once. I was just moved by the joy of the fact that they gave me life. And just out of the blue, I'm with my five brothers. We're hanging out, you know. And I said, you know, Mom, thanks for making me. And without thinking about it, she said, it was our pleasure. <laughs> okay, so this great adventure called family. We know that 
our God is a God of order, our God is a God of reason, and that he is purposeful, right? Um, so we assume, therefore, that family exists for a reason. Audience participation moment here. Why did God design family? <sighs> okay, the end of the talk, we're done. Thanks, it was a great night. To mirror the Trinity, to mirror the Trinity, which means what? Amen. A constant outpouring of love. We are to image the Trinity. Pope John Paul II said, families become what you are. Translation, image the Trinity. Be a constant outpouring of love, which sounds all nice and theological and, and whatever, but what does that mean? He created this family, this thing we call family, and as Greg said, just the caveats of think of it as ecclesial also, um, as a means to discover our identity in him who is love. So that we can have that mission to make him who is love known to the world. Which raises the question, what is love? We use that word so loosely in today's world. We love pizza, we love ice cream, we love, I have to say, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm a Pennsylvania girl, sorry. But what does it truly mean? Love is sacrificing oneself for the good of another. And so often in our sinful nature, we've turned that around, we've twisted it. We sacrifice other for the perceived good of ourselves. But when we look to he who is love, Jesus Christ, and we see the giving, the sacrificing of self for other, we see that this is what shows us our identity. It's not an easy thing, it's not necessarily a comfortable thing, but we know that it leads us to joy, that it leads us to happiness, that it leads us to true life. So one of the biggest, most important statements that we can make right now at this time in history is that the word became flesh means something for our daily experience. This faith of ours isn't meant to be in our brains and just on a chalkboard that we study. And the simple question, I want you to think about what is your favorite movie? We can't Donahue you, so you won't be put on the spot. But right now, think about your favorite movie. I suspect some of you might say Gladiator, Sound of Music for sure. Come on, raise your hand. How many of you would have thought Sound of Music? How many It's a Wonderful Life fans do we have here with me? Thank you very much. You know, uh, Star Wars, raise your hand if it's Star Wars. Lord of the Rings series, anything in the trilogy, you raise your hand twice, we'll give that to you. There's all kinds of movies like this, and if you look at every movie ever made, you will recognize a structure, a common DNA, and it's as simple as A, B, C. Every single movie you can think of has a main character or characters who start out at a certain place, that's A. They encounter difficulty. They encounter conflict. They are broken. They are pressed in ways that they never would have expected. Their world is in upheaval. That's the B movement. And through that upheaval, we'll just say through that death, comes the C movement. They discover a new identity. Frodo, Maria from The Sound of Music, the Lion King. You think of any movie, you've got the ABC structure. Okay, now think about this. 95% of our discretionary time is in adventure. It is in drama. It is in watching movies or in somehow spectating a drama. 
But we're called to participate in the drama. God embedded this in our very souls for living this out. The life, A, the death, B, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is hope for us as an evangelizing body because there's not an atheist, a Jew, a Hindu, a Muslim, an agnostic whose life does not reveal this ABC structure of life, death, and resurrection. But only the Catholic Church in its fullest sense in certain denominations of Christianity give real meaning to the death part, give real meaning to the suffering and to the sacrifice. Now think about this. If this was the means by which God would reveal himself to the world through life, death, and resurrection, and if he calls us to reveal this image of life, death, and resurrection, what is this culture trying to do with the B part, the suffering, the discomfort, the difficulty, the sacrifice, the tears, the loss of the home, the child who is away from the faith? We are never closer to God than we are when we are suffering. God made us of privation so he himself could be your provision. Satan does not want us to do that. Satan wants you to sugarcoat, to hide, to gloss over every moment of suffering in your life. He wants you to go, I'm not saying don't go out and buy an air conditioning when it's 105 degrees or those sorts of things, but I want you to think about this. How do we reveal ourselves to the world if even Christianity in certain ways has become this comfort zone, this hot tub, this place where we kind of hang out with our friends and we're all comfortable. If we're not showing the very heart of love, which is sacrifice self for the good of other. Take all I just said, and I'm going to give a word to that, our Christian identity. I'm going to say that is yours and my identity. You and I are participants in this ultimate drama. Satan would want us just to be spectating the drama from the sidelines. He wants to marginalize the power of the living God in you by dismissing the suffering, by dismissing the sacrifice, by downplaying it. But Jesus says, no, that's where I'm at. Don't gloss that over. Don't push it aside. I'm in that with you. So that's our identity, brothers and sisters. And if we go back to the garden... It really corresponds, this adventure of yours and mine, to a phrase that our moms even gave us. Again, the word became flesh. Our mothers said what? You are what you, you are what you eat. In the garden, the serpent snuck up on Adam and Eve and essentially offered them the fruit that was what? Pleasurable to the eyes. The serpent offered them an alternate identity. Don't, don't live for God. Don't live for him being the image. You're the man. Do it yourself. It's all about you. What is the fruit today? What is the fruit, the shiny, bright fruit that we're being offered through consumer advertising? Every single commercial. Everything that appeals to us. And, and, you know, the real tragedy is, if we're honest, all of us here, our affections are fixed on some of these things. We actually think that some of these things correspond to our identity. And marketing, advertising, business executives, and I used to be in that world. I helped manage marketing for Disney's Narnia and Superman Returns and some of these major Hollywood films. These guys spend billions of dollars on the assumption that they can make you think you're an alternate identity, to have you desire that alternate identity. Here's the question. After you partake of that fruit, are you any better off? I'm not, and yet we keep doing it, don't we? Well, maybe just if I buy this thing, I'm going to be happy. 
This new shirt, this new pair of shoes. If I just do this vacation, we're eating of the fruit, and there's nothing wrong with vacations and shoes. The point is, if we're looking for our value and our affirmation, our dignity in eating of that fruit, we're going to be more empty and more empty. So this is what happens. We have been partaking of this fruit from the beginning of time. We've been deceived. And in the midst of this culture of deception, we are suffering from amnesia. We've forgotten who we are. Again, the identity thing. We've eaten of the fruit. You are what you eat. And in eating of this fruit, we have forgotten our identity. And so God the Father in heaven loves you and me so much. Again, what is love? Sacrificing self for other. Then in the midst of this fog of confusion of our identity, he gives us incarnate image of who we really are in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes down right in the middle of it, and as St. Irenaeus said, Christ is God's revelation of man to himself. Jesus Christ reveals to you and me our nature, and that nature is to sacrifice self for the good of other. This great adventure has a word also, liturgy. Now we begin to understand in the Catholic Church, if you're Catholic or Christian and endeavor to try to do this, where, it's, where you're eating in the garden of the fruit, a false identity, you are what you eat, what are we offered in liturgy? You are what you eat. Jesus Christ reveals to us our nature. Eating of the Eucharist, partaking of the Eucharist is literally partaking of our true God-designed identity that strengthens us and nourishes us and awakens us to that truth. I fear, brothers and sisters, though, that many of us go and receive mechanically because our hearts are not attuned to our hunger. We're not bringing to the Eucharist. We're not bringing to Jesus who's going to be with us in less than an hour. We're not bringing to him the privation so that he can be our provision. This is a sacred anointed moment for you and me. This moment, 2,000 years ago, while our identity, our Savior was dying on a cross, he looked ahead to this moment. And he could look in your eyes and see everything going on in the depths of your souls that you would connect with your privation that he gave you, that he himself might be your provision. So liturgy structures the drama we're called to participate in every day of our lives, every breath. The Eucharist is its definition. This is a great Maybe a drama story. I've given you a blueprint. We'd call it you know, storyboarding it. God gave us this storyboard. It's a storyboard of your life. It's the only hope for your joy. It is the only hope for your happiness and mine. And now we're just going to kind of land this with some thoughts on how this takes on flesh and blood, how the Eucharist and the Mass is elaborated into every moment of our lives. So it's, image Trinity, get it? IT. It's about time. Pope Benedict said, Nothing is more important, nothing is more important than fostering one's relationship with Jesus Christ. And that takes time. So these are just a few out of so many little thoughts that Greg and I want to leave with you in these next few minutes. Number one, very simply, we are tempted to sacrifice our kids for things instead of things for our kids. For the ecclesial family, we're tempted to sacrifice others for ourselves instead of ourselves for others. I invite you to think about that in the decisions we make, even about where we work or how much we work or the house we buy or the, the, the cars that we buy. 
None of those surpass. No presence with a T surpasses the gift of our presence. A second point, thermometer versus thermostat. A thermostat is set, right? You, you pick the temperature, it's your choice, your decision, versus a thermometer that is passive, right? It just kind of reads what's, what's out there, what's going on right now. Let us be challenged and look at what we surround ourselves with to set that thermostat. What are the choices of music that we listen to, the movies that we watch, um, the books that we read, what we fill our spare time with, the choices and decisions that we make in all those ways need to be so deliberate with the end in mind. Is this bringing me closer and our family closer to Christ or farther away? To be, especially dads, I challenge you, I should let you do the challenging, but be the head of the household, set that thermostat, and, and don't let anyone touch it. A quick note on that in another talk, and if when we do our family retreats, which maybe your parishes would be open to, or the very dynamic days, men, you would hear a stat such as this. The likelihood of your children going to Mass, if the father does not go to Mass, even if the mom goes every day, the likelihood of your children going to Mass is 1 in 50. On the other hand, if the father goes to Mass and the mom is not even in the life or doesn't go to Mass, the child's likelihood of going to Mass is 60 to 70%. There's a biblical built-in DNA. We didn't design it, I didn't design it, but of God's design of the fatherly blessing, which we fully know means to serve it means to lay down our lives as Christ laid himself down for the church. That's the meaning of love and honor. Number three here is, and this is a challenge to me, and think about your use of discretionary time. We need to overcome being enchanted by entertainment. A recent study found that children on average spend eight hours of discretionary time a day in front of a screen. I'll repeat that. On average, every day, children spend eight hours in front of a screen being entertained. Ask yourself the question, what else could that child do in 56 hours a week or 2,912 hours a year? How could they improve their own life? How could they become better, more realize their identity and mission in life? How could they benefit the world around them? We are enchanted by entertainment, and I get it. We're exhausted. We're tired. We come home at the end of the day, and it's easy to put in a movie. And once in a while, that is the perfect thing to do. But if we are so easily drawn to the passive mode of just plunking down and being passive, um, we should question whether or not something else has had effect in diminishing our God-given identity of being Christ's presence to the world in other ways. Okay, we need to be more focused on becoming holy rather than appearing holy. Again, all the exterior things, our family does this or this or I do this or I do that, or we go to Mass, we pray the rosary, we're in the scapular, whatever those exterior things are, which are all beautiful and important if they are grounded in true becoming versus appearing. And we all struggle with that, right? There's a, a neat analogy that I read many years ago, the distinction was made between fruit stapling and true growth of fruit. So you have a tree and we want the fruit to be there, right? They're supposed to, trees are supposed to bear fruits if that's what they're made to do. And 
that's great and beautiful when it really happens versus stapling fake fruit or real fruit just stapled on that wasn't growing, that it needs to be the real deal. And again, that takes time and effort and commitment. Finally, and being very practical before Stephanie lands this with a story. If as parents, you were given your child's athletic schedule, we know where that's going to go. It's going to go on the refrigerator. It's going to make it to the calendar, which pronounces its importance. And sports are good. Um, we have six children, and five of them are very active in sports. And we recognize the importance, and we sacrifice to get them to the practices, and we buy them their shoes, and we invest in it, and we think it's a really good thing. How many hours do we as parents, as family, schedule and put on the calendar to simply talk and pray? to live the liturgy, to live the great adventure that we're called to. I suspect it's a challenge for every single one of us. And maybe it's because there isn't something practical or concrete. I want to encourage you to memorize or look at that massimpact.us. And I want you to go there tonight or tomorrow and look at the Live It Gathering Guide. It is an easy downloadable guide that you can download and families have fun talking and praying based upon next Sunday's readings. Have any of you guys done this at all, just by a show of hands? A few hands here. It is really a wonderful way to build up the bonds of Christ in your home, to get to understand one another a little more. You'll laugh, you might cry, for one reason or another. It is very powerful, and I just encourage you to please look into it, and I challenge you tonight to just set aside one night and schedule it. See what difference it'll make. Please take it to heart. Please know that this is what the Lord desires of us, to image the Trinity, that this is what he calls us to, to be that school of love in our homes, in our community, in our churches. And sometimes things in life will seem overwhelming and, you know, different circumstances. And I just want to leave you with this story that some of you have heard before. Um, But I am one of 12 children, nine boys and three girls, and since it's baseball season and we just had the all-star game, I just have to say that I have eight older brothers and two older sisters, and you would think that my brothers would have been rooting for another girl when my mom was pregnant with me. Not so much. They wanted the ninth boy for the baseball team. But I also say that for three years, I got the home run run derby king. They wouldn't give me the queen title. But anyway, so I'm 11th out of 12. I joke with my younger brother, whom they did get, um, that it took my parents 11 tries to get it right, and then they had one for fun. But anyway, um, so one of 12 kids, lots of fun stories. Uh, We had a very Catholic home, very involved in the church, you know, went to Mass and service stuff and prayed as a family. And we, too, as Greg's family was, very involved in the pro-life movement. And I believe it was the second, maybe the third National March for Life. Um, My mom was pregnant with baby number 13, and she and my dad felt very much called to go to witness for the unborn. And so they boarded a bus from Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, After midnight, they traveled through the night to get there in the morning. And somewhere around Pittsburgh, my 39-year-old mother, with no medical issues or... um, known problems, sitting next to my dad with her head on his shoulder, died in her sleep. And the baby inside um, also died. They were not able to get her to a hospital in time to save the baby who was seven months old in utero. 
And so here is my dad, Michael was his name, just a very faith-filled man coming home to raise 12 children on his own. The youngest was three, the oldest was 17. He had a blue-collar job, very hard worker, but never made much money. And he was faced with the real challenge to what God was calling him to. And he witnessed to us as his children, to the community, to people still talk about this today, many years later, that if God has called you to it, he provides for it. And that meant a lot of rough spots along the way in raising us and, and struggling to pay bills. But the joy that he witnessed to us in that sacrifice of laying down himself, the outpouring of him, himself in that love for the good of others, showed us what that love looked like. He imaged the Trinity. He showed us faithfulness. He showed us, again, the mantra here, what God calls you to, he provides for. So I share that for many reasons. Maybe someone is really struggling tonight with, with a seemingly huge challenge in your life right now or just to kind of you know be reinvigorated or to take the small challenges that we've tried to present to you this night in regards to taking faith seriously that we were created to know God to love him and to serve him in this world to be happy with him forever in the next and we do that in the context of family that he means it that he is with us and he is a faithful God the Holy Spirit is moving this is a historic moment. We're about more than a moment, but a movement. We're engaging pastors and parishioners in the great adventure of becoming dynamic communities of intentional disciples. For more information, go to massimpact.us. One world, one mission. Alive in Jesus Christ. Are you are God, my And my hope is in you all This is an Ignite flash fire moment. Right now, can you think of one person you know who's struggling, in need of knowing God's love? If someone came to mind, God just spoke to your heart. We're going to light it up right now. Send them a quick message. It could be by Facebook, email, text message. Make it short and sweet. Simply tell them you were thinking about them. You appreciate them. You're praying for them. You're in it with them, that God loves them. If we respond to this simple flash fire prompting right now, together we'll move his kingdom a big step forward. Ignite Flash Fire is brought to you by MassImpact.us. Not just a moment, a movement. Did you see the Guardians of the Galaxy? Did you watch the Packer game? How's your portfolio? Pizza is awesome. What we talk about doesn't just reveal what's important to us. It reveals who's important to us. This week, take a risk to grow deeper. Consider throwing in one of these. What's your biggest challenge right now? Hey, what can I pray for you for? What can I do to make your life easier right now? How about joining us for Mass this Sunday? Yeah, and coming over for breakfast. Let's pray the Holy Communion we receive correspond to a holy community we live. This has been a Mass Impact Moment. 
Join the great adventure at MassImpact.us. To you I lift up my soul. The following is another true story shared at a recent Ignite event, pronouncing that the love of God is truly alive and present today. Ignites are uplifting evenings of witness, word, and worship in the real presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. For more information, go to MassImpact.us. One world, one mission, alive in Jesus Christ. I lived my faith out of obligation, and my focus was not so much on getting to heaven as staying out of hell. When I got married, my husband and I continued to practice our faith, but we were what I would call cafeteria Catholics. We would pick and choose those teachings of the church that we wanted to follow and fit our lifestyle while ignoring others, justifying ourselves along the way. We were comfortable in our ignorance and arrogance, and I know that our attitude was not uncommon. It was after the birth of our fourth child that I learned of the alleged apparitions of the Blessed Mother in Medjugorje, a small village in what was then Yugoslavia. Well, I had this incredible calling to go to this place, but it made absolutely no sense. We had no money. I had four small children. I'm terrified to fly. This would be across an ocean, no less, to a communist country. <laughs> Absurd. And yet my husband encouraged me to go. The money for the living room furniture went for a ticket, and Hal said he'd take a week off of work to babysit the kids. I thought he was having an affair and wanted me out of the country. <laughs> and so I made this pilgrimage, and I have never been the same. Mary led me to this desolate land where I went to Mass twice a day, prayed the rosary constantly, climbed big hills and small mountains, fasted on bread and water. What was I thinking? <laughs> Maybe I just needed a vacation. It was suggested that one go to confession while there. Well, not my favorite sacrament, at least at the time. Most people don't have to travel thousands of miles to go to confession, but for some reason, I did. And it was there that Mary led me to the foot of the cross, and I met her son and my God, really, for the first time. A God who loves unconditionally and whose love is so totally overwhelming. I found the grace to really make a heartfelt confession and it was as a veil was lifted. God seared his love into my heart, and I came away from that moment knowing that I needed to change my life. Since that time, over 20 years ago now, Hal and I have been on a journey, a journey that has involved really learning our beautiful Catholic faith. Our marriage has been blessed, and our family has grown in our openness to God's plan. We have eight great kids, wonderful in-laws, and three beautiful granddaughters, and the fun and chaos is just beginning. Truly, God is never outdone in generosity, and his plan for us, whatever it is, is perfect. So in closing, I would like to echo what William said. Open your hearts to Christ. Do not be afraid. He loves you so very much, and he wants to shower you with every blessing. God is faithful, and he's always with us. He waits for our yes. Take a chance. Give God everything. You'll never regret it. Thank you. you know, Mass Impact and Ignite has been gone across the Northwest Ohio now for, for months, and, and thousands of people, literally thousands of people in our diocese have experienced that love. We believe that he said what he meant and meant what he said when he proclaimed that his body is real food and his blood is real drink. Simply put, Mass Impact is a nonprofit movement seeking the heart of God in the very heart of His Catholic Church. Uh, people just keep kept coming, 
and coming. Not just in a moment, but, but to surrender their entire lives. We desire our hearts to be moved by what moves His. And to see that happening monthly. We are responding to an urgent call in an urgent time. The recent popes, John Paul said, now's the time. This is the moment. We are taking big steps in faith throughout our diocese and beyond. I want to buckle my chin strap and take the field. And we are seeing tremendous growth. I mean, I'm just roused and emboldened to mission, to do something. We cannot do it alone. We need you right now. Please partner with us. Go to massimpact.us right now and click on the Contribute tab. If you and I respond in faith right now, we will see souls in heaven who would not have been there had we said no. It was nothing short of amazing. Does it have that same kind of effect on you? Please go to massimpact.us and contribute. It's time to move.
Um, she was very helpful in a pushy, kind of bossy way. <laughs> she, told, <laughs> she told me everything that I needed to hear, but I didn't really want to hear at the same time. So if anybody's ever dealt with Deb Miller, you probably know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we had talked about how I needed to go to confession, but I told her I wasn't ready. I knew that if I went, that meant I actually had to change instead of just saying I was going to. I just wasn't sure if I was ready. And there were a lot of things I would have to give up. Well, the next morning she called me and she said, get ready because we're going to see Father Dave. <laughs> I was nervous and I was kind of annoyed that she kind of just pushed me, but it was the best thing for me and I'm so happy that she did that. She was the little push I needed to just do what I had been saying that I was going to do, but I kept putting it off. So we went to confession and I think I was in there for like an hour or longer, um, but it was exactly what I needed. It wasn't, you know, like some magic pill that instantly makes everything all better. I still had a lot to work on. But the graces I received from going to confession helped me to see things more clearly. Every little sin that I had made over those few years had slowly gotten bigger and bigger, and I became even more blind with every sin I committed. I was finally able to see the truth again, and it was amazing. It's hard to explain the exact feeling I had, but it was like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders and I could breathe again. I wanted to just go back in time and smack myself for being so stupid for doing all those things. I went to confession a few more times before I was finally able to break up with my boyfriend and quit doing the things that I was doing. But each time I went, I became a little bit stronger and a little bit happier. My life has never been a straight path. And even though I was back in the church and I was practicing my faith again, I still hadn't made it my own. Last summer, I attended my first Ignite. I went into that experience with an open mind and an open heart, and God did some pretty amazing things. That night, as I was praying and singing the songs, I could feel his presence and I could feel the Holy Spirit. I could feel it around me, just holding me. It felt like someone was hugging me. I was so comfortable, and I was relaxed, and I couldn't think of one bad thing in my life, even though at the time there were a lot of things going on. I was at peace. The feeling I felt that night was amazing, and I wanted more. At that Ignite event, there were flyers for a young adult retreat coming up. I took one home and I registered for it right away, and that's something that I never do. I usually say I'll go to those things, but I put it off and put it off until it's passed and I put it out of my mind. So that was another step closer to where I am today. I've been praying more, reading scripture, making sacrifices, and going to confession regularly. Um, I left it over there, but I have this app that I downloaded on my iPad. It's called um, Laudate, and it's pretty cool because for me, I'm kind of a lazy person, so it makes praying and all that really, really easy for me. Um, so if, if you ever need a prayer for anything, it is on there. There's the rosary, um, daily readings, and there's a ton of stuff on there. And so I've been doing that almost every day. Um, and I just wanted to share with you guys one of my favorite prayers that I found on there. It's really, really helped me deal with a lot of things. So, 
once I kind of stop crying, I'll say it. <laughs> okay. Eternal Holy God, I come to you burdened with worries, fears, doubts, and troubles. Calm and quiet me with peace of mind. Empty me of the anxiety that disturbs me, of the concerns that weary my spirit and weight heavy on my heart. Loosen my grip on the disappointments and grievances I hold on to so tightly. Release me from the pain of past hurts, of present anger and tensions of future fears. Sometimes it's too much for me, Lord. Too many demands and problems, too much sadness, suffering, and stress. Renew me spiritually and emotionally. Give me new strength, hope, and confidence. Prepare me to meet the constant struggles of daily life with a deeper faith and trust in you. Let your love set me free for peace, for joy, for grace, for life, for others, forever. Amen. Here's a simple question. Would you like to see this area alive in the love of God and Jesus Christ? But here's the thing, it won't just happen. The greatest thing we can do to see God alive around us is to accept Him alive within us. Right now, we invite you and your family to rediscover love. Rediscover love is a great adventure through the seven weeks of Lent that promises to awaken our homes to God's abiding love. Go right now to massimpact.us. Take the simple one-page inventory. It's a real eye-opener. Rediscover love at massimpact.us. Each of us have felt the vulnerability of being tossed around on stormy waters. Perhaps that's some of you right now. Real waves that are pushing you around. I want to invite you right now to take this moment to set everything aside, to lift your eyes from the storms and see Jesus Christ walking towards you on the water, beckoning you to step outside that boat you're in, to join him. You are a son or daughter of God who invites us to a great intimacy in the Holy Eucharist. Join us this Sunday at Mass and join this great adventure at massimpact.us. To you I lift up my soul. The following is another true story shared at a recent Ignite event pronouncing that the love of God is truly alive and present today. Ignites are uplifting evenings of witness, word, and worship in the real presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. For more information, go to massimpact.us. One world, one mission, alive in Jesus Christ. The Monday after Easter, 2004, I lost 27 minutes of my life. Be still and know that He 
Six months later, a doctor looked at me and said, I'm going to talk to you like I talked to my grandson. I knew I was dead meat at that moment. She said, there is no medical knowledge, research, statistical variances to justify your being alive today. So the only possible explanation is that God has you wanting to do something. So find it. Consider all that he has done Stand in awe and be amazed And know that he will never change Be still A woman called and asked me to put a team together of men to lead a Christ Who News' Parish weekend in Las Vegas, Sin City. Without a thought, I said yes. She said thank you and hung up the phone. I found out a year later she was, did that because she was afraid I would think and say no. We finished the weekend and one of the gentlemen came up to us and said, so where are you going to be talking next? We said, no place, we're going back home. We're going back to Toledo. And we spent a lot of time talking to the men about them stepping forward and sharing God in their life with the men of their parish. He turned to us and looked and said, I need to ask you, what is God calling you to do? We stood there speechless. On our evening of Pentecost, filled with much excitement, much discussion, one member kept saying, we need to do something tangible. We have something really good here. We just can't stop. One of our team members heard a broadcast on EWTN. He sent an email to Peter Herbeck, and lo and behold, we ended up being in the living room in Peter Herbeck's home, sharing stories. And it was at that point that I learned that Peter Herbeck's home church is Christ the King. Three weeks later, I was at a Manresa retreat for four days, and I went to my room for the very first time, and the plaque on the door was dedicated to Christ the King. Did I tell you the name of the parish in Las Vegas? Christ the King. And we all know when something comes in threes, it's blessed. Our spiritual advisor, Monsignor Singler, celebrates Mass with us on a monthly basis. And there have been several times when he's been found shaking his head as he's read the Gospel. And he starts his homily. Because the Gospel is filled time and time again with affirmation after affirmation that lift Jesus higher in the USA is specifically important to the Diocese of Toledo. Be still know that he is God. Be still know he is our Father. Come rest your head upon his breast. Listen to the rhythm of his unfailing heart. Each one of us lifts Jesus higher in their own way. The times that I've shared with you have been times 
that have been prepared by the Holy Spirit for the 10 men and I to lift Jesus higher. In a few minutes, Father Jason will be leading us in procession to one of the greatest acts of devotion, the Eucharistic Adoration. I would strongly encourage you this evening to let this time this evening be that time when you lift Jesus higher. We believe that he said what he meant and meant what he said when he proclaimed that his body is real food and his blood is real drink. Asking you will receive, to ask him to receive that love and to know that love. Whatever those needs are, present them to the Lord tonight. Avail yourself of the opportunity that God gives to us tonight to allow him to be Lord, Savior, and Messiah. It's time to move. Open your hearts to do not be afraid. He loves you so very much and he wants to shower you with every blessing. God is faithful and he's always with us. He waits for our yes. Take a chance. Give God everything. The Holy Spirit is moving. This is a historic moment. We're about more than a moment, but a movement. We're engaging pastors and parishioners in the great adventure of becoming dynamic communities of intentional disciples. For more information, go to massimpact.us. One world, one mission, alive in Jesus Christ.